1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas. I'm joined by my co-host Paul Dennett, who's struggling with lack of sleep. Paul, how are you? Hey, Menas,
0: I'm good. I'm in the twilight zone. I don't know whether it's um, morning or night or whatever, but um, I'm happy. It was a great. It was a great spectacle the last five days.
1: Absolutely was. And and joining us from the UK, um, dialing in from Chelmsford in Essex where Mark Waugh famously spent some time, is it Chris Stocks, the Chief Cricket Writer for the iPaper in the UK who's been reporting on the actions. Chris, welcome to the show for the first time. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Manners. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on. Um, so, First off, what a wonderful series so far. I mean, we've had two gripping test matches. Just Can you just take us into the atmosphere over there in the UK at the moment around this series? Yeah,
2: I mean, it was dubbed the kind of the most eagerly anticipated Asher series since 2005, and this hasn't quite gone the same way for England, but I don't think anyone can deny that the two test matches we've had at Edgbaston and Lords have been absolutely fantastic entertainment.
0: Yeah, I always I like to ask just to, um, uh, to kind of get a gauge on it. Um, I remember when I was in England the first time and um, we were playing cricket on a, on a gr- somewhere in London and people were walking past and they, I think they thought that only the cricket pitch was the area in play. They were being polite by just walking off the side of the pitch and I thought there really is a lack of um, knowledge about this sport in the mainstream. But w- w- would the average person still really know that the Ashes are on and care?
2: Yeah, the average person knows it's on, definitely. It's all over the front and back pages of the newspapers and the highlights every night and radio and whatever. It's not at the level of 2005 because, unfortunately, we don't have uh, Test Cricket on terrestrial TV over here anymore, so they have lost an audience there. But there's definitely cut through still for the Ashes, and, and there's nothing else going on at the moment, or there hasn't been for the past few weeks, so this has been the only
1: sports story in town. So it's been big news. Cool. Yeah, it's been big news over here. So Australia won won the Test at Lords by forty three runs, a, a classic. And uh, I mean, you know, all the headlines have been about you know Johnny Bairstow stumping, but I mean Ben Stokes played an absolutely sublime innings, one hundred and fifty five off two fourteen balls. I mean, what what was the atmosphere like, and what do you think of the innings? I mean, where does that rank? I mean, that was phenomenal.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it was like. Watching heading all over again, wasn't it? I mean, it was just phenomenal hitting. As soon as Besto was out, uh, and I think the circumstances around that definitely had something to do with it, uh, a switch was flicked with Ben Stokes. He he went into beast mode. Um, he looked like he, he was going to try and pull this off single handedly. Um, and if he wasn't going to do it, he's going to give it a damn good go. And what phenomenal cricket we had for, what, two, two and a half hours? It was is mesmerizing. And despite all the kind of the bitterness towards Australia, people were just hooked by what they were seeing from Ben Stokes. It was another one of those golden performances that ranks up with Headingley and, and the 2019 World Cup final.
1: I was I was very nervous after the first hour. because I thought Duckett played really nicely in both innings, but, you know, you know, the pitch was fairly flat and, and you knew England were going to give it their best to get close. And, um, yeah, I thought, you know, England, you know, really fought all the way on that last day. And, you know, that's been a characteristic of this series so far. Both teams have hung in there. Um, what was the, were you at Lords? Yeah. 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 I was
2: there. Yeah. I was in the media center. Yeah.
1: So, so did you, did you sort of, what was the atmosphere like in the long room? Because we only saw the footage. It, it seemed pretty nasty in there at lunchtime. Like I know three members were suspended. You know, what's your reading of that?
2: Yeah, I obviously wasn't in the long room, but you see the clips and and, and kind of gossip flies around from other colleagues who had people they knew in there. Um, It was extraordinary. I mean, Lords is normally polite stayed. The biggest noise you'll hear is a champagne cork popping. (laughs) Um, And for, you know, three hours, four hours, five hours, you had the whole crowd chanting about Australia being cheats and booing and it was pretty, pretty, pretty kind of visceral kind of stuff. Um, But you kind of expect that from a day five crowd at Lord's. Um, It's not the usual crowd, but to see that in the long room, it was extraordinary. I mean, I think that showed you the anger that the English crowd had uh, about what Alex Carey did and what Pat Cummins didn't do in terms of um, withdrawing the appeal. Uh, it, it was extraordinary. I mean, you've got to ask why the reaction was so visceral. But, um, but yeah, you know, did it cross the line? Yes, probably. But, I mean, just to see that reaction, it was extraordinary. An extraordinary atmosphere, lords. you never see. Uh, and to see that in the long room as well with those old duffers who are usually, you know, <laughs> half asleep with a gin and tonic was, was um, yeah, un- well, really, really strange to see. But, you know, extraordinary as well.
1: It was pretty amazing how Usman Khawaja went back at one of the, the gentlemen that had a go at him. I mean, that, that, that footage I've watched it all day. I mean, it, it's just incredible. The fact that it got to that stage and that, you know, three members suspended, uh, you know, it's unprecedented scenes um, for the long room to descend into that kind of chaos and, um, So, yeah, it's just astonishing. And, its I mean, the series was already getting very spicy. I mean, the the next three test matches are going to be crazy. I mean, they're going to be off the charts. I mean, England fans are going to be baying for Aussie blood.
2: Yeah. I mean, if Lords reacted like that, you've got to wonder what reception they're going to get at Headingley (laughs) in four days' time. Um, The Western Terrace at Headingley is an unforgiving place for Australian cricketers at the best of times. After what happened at Lords, I, I think they better get their tin hats on because it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite hard for them. I think over over the remaining three tests, but Headingley mm. in particular will be, um, yeah, quite hostile.
0: What is the mood um, amongst the cricket fans in the nation? I mean, uh, you know, you read Mike Atherton and um, a few others who are quite um, not so critical of it, and then there's the I think it was Simon Wilde in the Times was uh, saying that Australia's undone all the good work they had done in the in the in the years following the, the sandpaper gate um, incident. I suspect that the the general mood of the country is much closer to that than to the Atherton viewpoint. Is that would that be accurate?
2: Yeah, that that that'd be that'd be spot on. Um yeah, I'm glad you referenced that piece from Simon because it's interesting. I think when you look at the reaction at Lord's yesterday and, uh, and the reaction from the papers and, you know, the general reaction from everybody over here, you've got to put it within the context of what happened in Cape Town five years ago. I mean, it's not that long ago. Australia have professed to be a, you know, a, a new team, a better team and Justin Langer made it his kind of, you know, his mission to restore reputations. reputations. Um, what happened yesterday wasn't cheating. Let's, be clear about that it was within the laws of the game um it wasn't cheating but it i think to english eyes it it looked like them pushing the laws to the game to the absolute maximum and was it in the spirit of cricket people think not um i don't like to talk about the spirit of cricket but talk about fairness and sportsmanship i I think because people still have what happened five years ago at the, uh, the front of their minds when it comes to australian cricket the reaction has been much more amplified than it would have been otherwise. I think
0: one thing that I'm interested in because I've um, actually shied away from it a little bit today that I've, I've kind of had my fill, fill of the controversy of it all, but there has been a, a, an article in the Australian papers today kind of going back through some of the other instances that have occurred with Brendan McCullum uh, trying to run out Paul Collingwood in years gone by that one with the, um, under the was it was it Marilly Evan? with the, the um, uh, when yeah. he was celebrating his um uh, partners hundred didn't bother um waiting till the ball was dead uh and then the the instance of um uh folks um waiting till was it Bal uh burns foot um, his, kind of, oh, sorry my brain's gone waiting till his foot was um uh lifted before he then withdrew the bales I haven't forensically gone through each one and sort of thought okay is this comparing apples with apples I don't know if you guys have got any thoughts on on those and whether that puts any context into the reaction especially of McCullum um yeah have you guys got any thoughts on that Chris yeah uh, uh,
2: McC- McCullum um has has specifically about the Murrayly incident he um has spoken about that and said you know he regrets it now you know a few years on he he regrets what he did he He actually did the spirit of cricket lecture um, at Lord's in 2016, where he he referenced that and and said, you know, looking back now, I I realised that I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Um, So yeah, I can see why the Australian media would be looking at all those incidents and maybe calling double standards. That's kind of, um, it's fair enough, isn't it?
1: Mm, There's also the footage of Bestow doing it on day three of this test. So I mean, you know that that's a pretty recent example. Uh, he tried to do it to Manus Labuchhan. Um, yeah,
0: quite the same though,
1: um from again, but no, for, no, but it looks it doesn't look the same because Beo's not like Kerry got the ball and threw it. Besto, if you're a responsible player, should have checked what was going on. Uh, I think the issue comes down to whether Cummins should have called him back.
0: Uh, no, no, but I'm sorry, sorry my my brain's not working. I'm saying I thought that the one that earlier in the in the test where Besto actually threw it, was a possibility that you could actually say that it was the batter kind of um, um, not just meandering out of his crease for thinking the ball was dead, but actually kind of the the act of the 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 act of the play was taking him out of the crease. Again, I apologise, I haven't actually looked at it.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I've seen that. That was a reference yesterday to Ben Stokes in his press conference. Um, yeah, Malcolm Conn um, <laughs> asked him the question, you know. Not surprising he came
1: from Malcolm. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, he's this happened, you know, isn't it the same thing? And Ben Stokes said, Well, I don't remember the incident, but hey, was, it the the o- was it the end of the over? And Malcolm Khan said, oh, I don't know, I don't remember either. And he said, Well, does it make a difference? Malcolm asked, and he said, Yeah, it makes all the difference. Hmm. Um, the, La- the Labashane incident was in the middle of an over, he has been batting out of his crease to kind of um, get on top of any swing or movement. Um, Labashain He's trying to gain an advantage doing that was Johnny besto trying to gain an advantage no De- no definitely not definitely it was, not. it was it was dopey but wasn't trying to gain an advantage um uh, uh, Australia Australia have come out this morning I've seen Andrew McDonald's been quoted saying it was a pre-arranged plan and um, they they noticed besto doing that in between balls you know quite a lot um so it's a pre-arranged plan I mean he's paid the price for being dopey but it's pretty ruthless from Australia and, and you mm. know, that's why they're world test champions, I guess, isn't it? They're, they're, they're going to take every advantage they can when it comes to, you know, final day run chase and ashes test match.
0: Because of the fact that he let the ball go almost before, well, before actually best they would, um, um, stepped out of his ground.
1: Yeah. Well, I, well, I heard some interesting comments from Adam Collins, um, from SEN. He was saying that, you know, he feels sometimes in England because, um, and this is his interpretation that you know he feels that a lot of Australians play cricket growing up and they therefore they sort of they get the nuance of the as nuances of the game and um, maybe they're not so concerned with the spirit of cricket because they've played it whereas he, he this is what he said that he feels that in England there's a lot of sort of casual fans who like to just sort of bring up the spirit of cricket but they don't really understand it i mean do you do you think that's a fair reason of why the the reaction from the english public is you know, like like run out of the non-strikers then really winds up the England fans, you know. Why is it, do you think, that these sort of spirit of cricket issues um, tend to enrage the England fans a bit more? Uh,
2: I think the point made by Adam might be a little bit too simplistic. Um, I, I think there's just two very different cultures, sporting cultures. I mean, look at any sport in the UK, you go back to, say, football um, 30 years ago, England or English teams playing in European competition against teams from Italy, Spain, wherever um, play, acting, diving has always been frowned upon. It wasn't part of the English game 30 years ago. It is now, but it was really frowned upon. It's kind of seen as a bit sneaky and not, not breaking any, any rules or laws, but just a little bit sneaky and getting an extra edge. Uh, I think that filters through to cricket. I mean, does it come across as a bit high and mighty and in, in English arrogance it probably does if you're Australian, but uh, I think the two very different cricketing cultures, and when they clash, you get a reaction like you had yesterday.
0: I also think that maybe the Australian. I mean, I I'll tell what I what I think. Firstly, I think Australia's football has that same attitude that we're very much against diving, and um, that sometimes to probably to our detriment. But I think that there are there is a, I wouldn't say a majority, but there is a silent plurality maybe, a significant number of Australians who aren't all that happy with what occurred either. Not to the extent of saying that they want them, um, you know, the integrity of the players called into question or uh, maybe going that far. But I like would like to think if, that I, if I had been captain, I would have called him back. Now, I, it's very easy from my lounge room, 20,000 kilometres away, half asleep to say that. And knowing that had he called him back, that may well have proven to be the you know, the, the loss of the match, potentially the Ashes. I understand it's a massive thing. Not to mention if he called him back, he would have got called for everything in Australia by the the, the sort of the hard right wing who, for some insane reason, have taken a dislike to um, Pat Cummins. But I kind of look at it and say, to me, that there, there comes a point where people who say, oh, I don't want to, um, we, we shouldn't have to have any reference to sportsmanship or the spirit of cricket and cricket because of the fact that the laws should be just adhered to. I just don't think it's as simplistic as that. And that, you know, for example, there are still things that there's an expectation that you won't adhere to the laws. If a, if a player runs um, to ground their bat and the ball ricochets off their bat and doesn't go for four and they take an overthrow, that is, I don't know why, but it is completely um not allowed in the cricketing world and if it was done everyone unanimously certainly in Australia and England would come out uh, in condemnation of it and I um, I kind of look at this in the same sort of way and say besto clearly wasn't trying to um, do anything other than wander down and have a um, you know a bit of gardening or a mid-wicket conversa- uh, conversation with his partner and so yeah, I, I think for me, I would have, I would have liked to see him um, call him back. By the same token, I, you know, if I think if I was Johnny Best, I would like to say, you know, I put out a place saying I was a dozy fool, and I probably deserved it. That I think it is a not arrogant, but it's slightly not the most ideal thing to be walking out I, I, as a batter. I wouldn't have walked that quickly either. So I can see that side of it. But ultimately, I think having wrestled with it throughout much of the day, that's where I come down on the line. I think that um. Uh, I'm proud of the Australian team and I'm still proud of them, but to to be even more proud of them, I would like to see them to have reacted in the way that I think, you know, Lindsay Hassett or, uh, you know, Richie Benno or somebody um, would have reacted. And I I don't quite buy the argument either that I'm sure that they would put forward that, oh, well, you know, we got a catch struck down yesterday because the letter of the law um, was enforced. So we're just going by the letter of the law. I don't think it's quite the same. I I think you can argue that although I would like the rule to be written in such a way that Mitchell Stark's catch in future would be regarded as a fair catch, as it's currently written, um, it's not. And I think there's a difference between that and a player who uh, clearly, for all intents and purposes, play had stopped and he was going to um, just walk out. Yes, he was being dozy, but he wasn't trying to, to gain anything by it. And I think there's a small distinction there. That's where I fall down on. Sorry for gibbering on, but I thought, thought I'd um, once I got off my long run, I'd say it all. No doubt, Menace <laughs> doesn't. Agree, but anyway, that's that's how I think. Where, where, what do you think? No, no, back? no, I actually. So, Christmas thoughts first. Chris's thoughts first before you. Uh, no, 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 no.
1: Oh, no. I'm not going to be straight. I actually don't want the whole this whole discussion to be derailed with the best I talk because I think one thing um, you know, there's been some great cricket, some great cricket. So yeah. Uh, so, uh, so so Chris. No, no. no. So I was going to say, Chris, uh, now's your chance. If you want to bury the Aussies, have a swing at it because, um, you know, give it to us, both barrels if you want. I'd love to hear what you think about it.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll ask you, well, the way I see it is, yep, yeah, technically out, o dozy, yes, absolutely. Um, give, why give Australia that opportunity? Yep. Yeah. Um, ask yourself the question. When you look at it, the cold light of day, is it fair? Was it a fair play? Was it actually fair? Was it within kind of, you know, the spirit of cricket? I don't think it was fair. Um, you also ask yourself, Australia are the best team in the world. Aren't they better than that? Couldn't they get gen- Johnny Besto out genuinely without resorting to those kind of tactics? I think when you look back on it, I think Pat Cummins will regret that. Um, it's not great for Australian cricket's reputation I asked him in the press conference in the Lords yesterday, do you think what you, what your team did and the fact you didn't um, recall Besto back would draw the appeal? Do you think that's harmed Australian cricket's reputation? He said no, but I think they were in a little bubble. Um, and you've got to look at some of the headlines in the UK papers, and I'll read a couple out. Uh, it tells you the reaction over here and what they think of Australia. It's pariah carey, shame old Aussies, spirit of cricket reduced to ashes, disgrace, barefaced um what was that? bareface sneak ashes battle turns toxic and the gloves are off i mean it's brilliant for the series in terms of everyone loves a bit of needle but i think australia were better than that
0: yeah i, I kind of agree um and i i, I think to, in defense of cummins i think he means that i i think he genuinely thinks that he has done um nothing wrong i don't think that he thinks ah oh, yeah well i'll i'll i've we've got away with one here, but I'll pretend that I've done nothing wrong. I think, and I think it's, I think the Australian team is playing with more grace than they have in a long time. And they're closer to what I would like them to be than they have been in a long time. I think the final piece from the puzzle is, I I, I agree with you. I think in time, he might come to regret it. Um, I think it's a pity that at the moment, I think if you surveyed all 11 in the team, not only would they not regret it, they would almost not understand why they would even have to regret it. And that's that's a little bit um, disappointing. But yeah, I'm not ready to castigate them like um, maybe like the English media is. I just think I would have loved to see them um, withdraw the appeal in an ideal world.
2: Yeah, and I, I think you've got to recognise as well <clears throat> that if, the decision to withdraw the appeal would have been a very, very difficult decision for Pat Collins huh. to make. That's not You can't just say, oh, well, he should have done it. Exactly. Very, very, very difficult decision for him to make with ramifications that would be long lasting you mentioned in terms of the Australian media and the reaction back home. So it wasn't an easy call, but you know, sometimes great sportsmen are judged by difficult decisions. And unfortunately Pat Cummins will be judged by that.
1: Well, strong stuff. Um, All right, let's take a quick break and then let's come back and talk about some cricket. (laughs) All right. Welcome back. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Menas. I'm joined by Paul and we have a special guest from the UK, Chris Stocks from the iPaper. So, Chris, unfortunately, England are now 0-2 down in the ashes and, and they've done a lot of good things. But you have to say they've also been very frustrating in some of their play. You know, even just in the Lord's Test match, they had a golden opportunity. They sent Australia in. They didn't bowl that well. Then they were one for 188 with Lyon sauntering off and they ended up hooking themselves into the grave, Um, you know, how, what, what do you think about their play? Like, it's obviously had some good things, but also there's just been some elements that have been a bit sloppy.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think the way England have approached the first two tests have made for very, very entertaining cricket, but also your English, very, very frustrating cricket. You, you're right. You mentioned their position in the first innings at Lords, 188 for one, lying off. They could have buried Australia right there and then. They could have got a lead the first innings and we would be talking probably about an England famous England win, but they weren't ruthless enough. Um, they've been naive at times, I think in terms of their approach, especially the batting um, and they've not taken their opportunities and they've, ha- they've had more than one opportunity to win both of these test matches. They could be two nil up. They'd be more ruthless. They could have been two nil up. It should be one, one at worst. I don't know how they lost that game at Edgebaston. I mean, I'm still trying to work that out. <laughs> Um, but fair play to Australia. They they have taken their opportunities. They they've shown you know why they're world champions, and and they've you know they've buried England in these these first two games, and they turned it up.
0: I think it's amazing that uh, roughly an hour before the end of both tests, I remember looking at the betting that an hour uh, roughly an hour before the end of and, um Australia were 10, ten to one, um, and they were nudging out to about um, what three dollars or whatever. $2.50 or whatever um, an, hour, an hour before the end of this one. You multiply that, it's sort of 25 to 1. In other words, uh, with an hour to go on each, it would, it, the, the chance that Australia would be leading 2-0 was kind of like a 4% chance. Um, it, it is quite, quite remarkable how it seemed to happen. Uh, the question, the, 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 the feel-good approach and the sort of, OK, you can play without the, the feeling of pressure that has been so successfully um, a part of this regime and, and they've done it so well... Uh, you know, against Pakistan and New Zealand and, and, and India and South Africa, uh, is that in danger of um, falling apart? Now, if England come out and um, are suddenly five for oh, 120 for five on day one at Leeds, um, will, will the wheels fall off?
2: I don't think so. No. Um, I mean, there were 45 for four, weren't they at Lords? And um, look what happened there. They're not going to change their approach. England are going to carry on playing this way. Um, they now know that Australia aren't, aren't huge fans of baseball and, and the way they're going about it. Um, there's a kind of a messianic zeal, I think, coming out of the England camp. They want to change test cricket. So they're going to stick to this way of playing, um, come what may. Even if it means they get whitewashed 5-0, they'll carry on playing this way. Uh, I think we'll see it headingly is England being slightly more calculated in the risks they take, especially when batting, mm-hmm. uh, and also a little bit more ruthless. Uh, I think the fact what happened at Lords yesterday, that incident, we're not going to go on about it, but that has galvanised them heading into headingly, and I think that will see them take a slightly more streetwise approach uh, for the final three tests.
1: Did you say two? Sorry, go minutes. No, yeah. Did you think though it's it's a little bit of a, a, a knock on Baz, Baz McCullum's coaching that, you know, that they weren't this switched on to start the series, that, you know, they picked Moe and Ali cold, that they declared on the first day, that they threw their wickets away in at Edgbaston in that second innings. Like, you know, they're, they're so close to being – to beating Australia. Like it's too late to flick the switch when you're 2-0 down. Like you you, you got to sort of be switched on to start the series. Like, do you think Brendan McCullum is actually, you know, getting this team in the right spot to to win the big games?
2: Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Um, before this series, England won, what, 11 out of 13 games, beating some pretty decent teams, 3-0 on Pakistan, beat a very good South Africa Team in England, two one last summer. Um, yeah, the, the results before this series bore out the method; it, it justified the method. Um, Australia are the best team they've come up against, so this is obviously they've hit a bit of a roadblock in terms of the results. Um, but they're not going to change the way they play. To so, to say to England, you actually have to uh, actually ditch baseball and and go back to you know traditional test cricket. It kind of doesn't. But, but I'm not saying ditch understand it.
1: what basketball is about. But, no, but I'm saying not ditch it. But, you know, on that first day in Edgbaston, in that was arrogant to declare. I mean, there might have been another 40 or 50 runs on offer, but Stokes says, no, nah, stuff it. We're, we're too good for that. And bang, that you know, that 40 or 50 runs maybe cost them the game. In the second innings when Root and Brooke and all those players threw their wickets away. All they need to do is bat well for another hour. And that's what I'm saying. Like they're so close. They can still play really aggressive, positive cricket, but like dot the I's and cross the T's. That, that's what I mean.
0: Yeah, but it's like, um, you you can't kind of have it both ways, but that, that in that second innings, Root got to 46 by playing that way. Um, And as I said, his, his second innings average is about 46. Um, I, I think that, you know, you look at the way that Duckett played. Um, uh, the, if he hadn't had that freedom, he wouldn't have scored anywhere near as many runs. I think one of the unfortunate things, and I'm not trying to just say, defend this because I was a big proponent and still am a big proponent of the way that they play, but if they lose this series, there will be a lot of people saying, well, they beat Australia in 0- 05, 09, 13, 15, and drew with them in 19 with um, traditional green pitches and playing traditional cricket. They've now switched to this approach and they've been beaten. I would like to be able to sort of also put the other case forward and say they were obliterated in Australia. Um, had they played traditional cricket in these first two test matches under a more traditional coach, they may not have been in a position to win both test matches with an hour before the end. Australia may be leading 2-0 after two um, reasonably comfortable victories.
2: Yeah, and I think, yeah, know, you reference the um, edge-basting game. If England hadn't declared in the first innings when they had, that game would have petered out into a dull draw, or it, it, it may have done. There were four overs left when Australia completed that run chase.
1: Oh, but, but I think but I think the game's totally different. Uh, you know, Australia looks up and they're five for 140, and they've got four, they're, you know, uh, England have made 440. It's a different game. So uh, I just think, you know, that they could have actually put the foot on the throat then. Um,
0: no, but I think the point Chris is making is that, um, and, and I made this as well, that, but... The one time they went away from Bazball, the, the the approach was at the same time as Australia got aggressive. That those that, that last runs chase between um, Cummins and Lyon, the Aussies suddenly threw caution to the wind at the same time as England got quite defensive. That had that not happened, and had it panned out as I said, that the 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 ninety percent chances it was with an hour to go, you could look back and say that although I didn't even agree with the declaration, it probably did mean that they would have won a game they should have won that otherwise may well have petered out to be a draw. And I think that is the success of the approach that uh, games that you otherwise would have drawn, you win. And occasionally games that you otherwise you would have drawn, you lose. But I think that the the ledger's more in favour of the former than the latter.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, three of the last four test matches they've played are three of the best test matches I've seen in my lifetime. Wellington with a loss by a run and these two Ashes test matches, They've lost all three, um, so you could say, yeah, it's not worked, is it? You know, it's, it's naive, but actually it's made for brilliant cricket. And as Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes have said right from the very start of this, we will not always work. We'll lose some games like this, but we'll win more than we lose. And I think mm. they trust themselves that they'll they'll win more than they lose. And, you know, they're two down this series, but will Might they lose three. every game? I don't think so. Might
1: win three, two. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Excellent. I mean, I'm happy with that. It's entertaining to watch. You know, I, I think it's great. It's fantastic. And, you know, if, if you know, if England fans are happy with it, then that's terrific. Um, Rick Finlay did put out an interesting stat, though. He did say after two tests, Australia have faced 654 more balls to score just 45 more runs than England. And they've lost the same number of wickets. So uh, the, the thing is, though, that practically wears out the England bowling attack and keeps our bowlers fresh because you know that was tough stuff for um and we're running out of time so I do want to ask you know like you Anderson looked tired by the end you know what do you think England is going to do for their attack in the third test
0: before you get to that just the, the first half of your question there yes you could say that but you could also look at it the other way and say it shows Australia has actually been too defensive and has won these two test matches in spite of their tactics. And if if Australia had had a more aggressive approach, maybe England wouldn't have been in a position to win both games um, uh, with an hour to go, and Australia might have won them more convincingly. I'm not saying that's the case, but just that I don't think it necessarily follows that because Australia has faced more balls and put more miles into the legs of the England bowlers, therefore that means the Australian tactics were better. I don't think that necessarily follows.
2: No, can I, can I just come in, actually, one one point I want to make about Lords, especially. Um, England, England's way of playing has worked, but they've been sloppy at times. They gave away 72 extras. Of mm. 72. I that's mean, the
1: coach's fault. It's it's <laughs> everyone's fault, isn't it? Take a bit well, more care. Yeah, yeah that's what game. I was saying. I mean, that's what I was saying. That, that That's what I mean. Like, they've got the right attitude. Like, they just need someone to stop playing golf with the players and say, right let's pull our socks up and let's do the little things right. Because if we play this aggressively, but we actually respect the game a little more, we're, we're going to be world beaters. And maybe they're, you know, 2 nil up right now. Um,
0: they are respecting the the, the to, to imply that they are disrespecting the game manners is ludicrous. Um, well, I'm not the only one saying uh, that. <laughs> you just said it. Just, I said I'm not the only one saying it. Well, I mean, the, I, I think they have shown more respect to Test cricket in the last couple of years than anyone ever. Um, you know, they are salvaging a, a sport that's dying in half the world um, and giving it a, a bit of oxygen. I, I think that their respect to Test cricket is um, puts us all in the shame. In, it puts us all to shame.
2: Yeah, agree agree 100%. I mean, the fact that they play golf and they're having a good time and enjoying themselves, it's a relaxed environment, doesn't translate to the 72 extras or being sloppy. I think, actually, it's just being more more ruthless when it gets to the gets to the actual test matches i think the environment they've created doesn't work if there's a disciplinarian saying watch your front foot in the nets." it doesn't work uh, the freedom is is what makes this new approach from
1: england and i know a lot of australian like it, it is a culture war um it is a culture war about Tell me, I do, what, what do you think England's going to do for, for heading league? Um, what, what, what do you think they're going to do with their team? I, I know they made some changes to the squad. So is it Ray and Ahmed and Potts have gone out? And, yeah, uh, they're out. And um, Mo Ali might be available with um, Oli Pope yeah. dubious. Is that with his shoulder?
2: Uh, Yep, yeah, with, with his shoulder, yeah. They'll have to assess that over the next few days. Um, I think one change England will definitely make uh, will b- to bring in Mark Wood, um, a guy with proper, genuine pace. bounce mm. the, guy, the, That's guy the shit out player. of us. Yeah, he's, he's, he's quicker than Mitchell Stark, isn't he? This guy is quicker than Joffrey Archer. He he will be the weapon. They'll unleash it headingly. And they will have no qualms about peppering Australia, with those short balls. He definitely comes in. I think obviously Jimmy Anderson is going to have to sit the next test out. He's looked a little bit jaded and all of his 40 odd years, hasn't he?
1: That was rough yesterday. He got, he got, he and Broad, you got to give it to them. They got him behind everything yesterday, but they they wore a few for the, the three lines. Unusual. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, they they
2: they showed incredible bravery, and also, you know what? mentioned Nathan Lyon. Mm. He's not popular among the English fans, but what he did at Lords for his team that was that was very very impressive and very brave. And you know, the fact he's been ruled out of the series this morning, I think, is quite a big, quite a big um, big thing for for Australia. They're going to miss him quite a lot, I think. Um, Todd Murphy, he's had a good start to his Test career, but. He's no, no Nathan Lyon. There's a guy with pretty much 500 test wickets.
0: Yeah, Without he's that, that, I don't think it's such a big deal. Um, I, I think they're roughly similar standard bowlers.
1: Okay. You know yeah. you would know more than me. But... Well, it, Ravi Ashwin said Murphy was way better when um, than when Lyon first toured India. I think the, the one thing Murphy, Murphy could bring is a surprise element. I mean, it, you know, the England team knows Lyon. I mean, he's a great bowler, but... Uh, Murphy's got a few tricks up his sleeve, um, but you know it'll be interesting because England will come harder at him, much harder than India did. And holding your nerve in that in that position is very difficult. And, and Chris, I want to I want an objective opinion on this as an observer of the Australian team. You know, what do you think of Pat Cummins tactically as a captain in in what you've seen? Yeah, not been impressed. No, way too defensive. Uh,
2: rattled at various times, I think his captaincy has left a lot to be desired.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree, and um, you know, this is this is the, what annoys me about it is, you know, I feel like like it's been proven in test history that fast bowling captains are a rarity. You know, for them to do it successfully is a rare case. Certainly there's notable examples that can do it, but generally it's a really tough task being a fast bowler, running in and bowling 20 overs a day and captaining the side. And when you've got someone like Stokes coming at you, it's that's really magnified. And I don't think he's up to it.
0: But I think that the, yeah. the standard of captaincy that we saw on field from Smith, from Payne, from Ponting, it's all roughly the same as the standard from Cummins. I, I'm not all that impressed with it. I agree with Chris. I, I think he's far too defensive. I love Pat Cummins. I think he's um, a fantastic cricketer. I think he's a good leader. I don't think he's a good tactician, but I don't think that the um, many of the predecessors have been much better. I think Michael Clark was good. Um, Mark Taylor was good. But, uh, you know, I think if you close my eyes and, and Smith's in charge, I think we'd see very similar uh, fields and very similar approaches by Australia.
2: Yeah, it was astounding to see yesterday the, the tactics he adopted when Stokes was in full-on in kind of full, full, on, full on beast mode. You know, it was exactly like Headingley. They, they, they watched that back, didn't they, Australia, four years ago and said they'd yeah. learned from it, but they had nine players on the fence, you know, and the only difference was they had a few more runs on the board and Stokes made a mistake, but they didn't actually try and attack him or try and get him out. It, they went into panic mode, defensive mode, nine guys on the... On the boundary, and you know, in terms of captaincy, I thought that was pretty pretty weak from Pat Cummins. He'll turn around and say, "Well, we won the game," and fair enough. But I, I think uh, he's been shown up at various times in this series, and it might might bite him in the next three tests at some point.
1: Yeah, agree. I've been saying all year that Australia were winning despite Pat Cummins' captaincy. I mean, in, in, until what happened yesterday, Lords, whatever your opinion of, of him is, he had a pretty spotless record off the field. You know, he's this poster boy for Australian cricket. So I think cricket, you know, you, that was why he was given the captaincy. He was just for his image. But um, on the field, yeah, I think he's a bit lacking. Well, Chris, we're running out of time. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast I mean, this series has been electric. It's been so good to hear your insights. Um, you can hear we're having a culture war in this podcast. And I, I don't know if you <laughs> know, but I think Paul is going to go and live in England very soon. You're welcome, <laughs> Paul. Any time, mate. I've got a spare room here. Oh, I might have to
2: go.
0: The problem is, I might be. I might come and live with you, and then I think Menas is going to invade England with an army, so we might
1: be in trouble. <laughs> um, cool. Thanks. <laughs> it's been great to talk to you, Chris. Enjoy the rest of the series. Yeah. Thank you for having me Menas, and
2: enjoy it too. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be cracking series. Yeah. Brilliant insights. Thank you. Thanks Chris. Cool. Yeah. Cheers mate. Thank you very
1: much. Great stuff there from Chris stocks. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then Paul and I will be back to wrap things up. Welcome back to cricket unfiltered. It's Menas and Paul. Wow. That was wild. I mean, yeah, wow. That was a great chat, both.
0: Yeah, it was, it was quite a not, not nice chat. Well, I didn't think it was wild. Um, you know, it's it um, seemed pretty civil and pretty um, good exchange of views.
1: I know. It's just this whole culture war going on in cricket and... Um, Anyway, it's uh, looking ahead to the third test. Um, we won't be doing another episode before then. So, you know, so it's come out Nathan Lyon's ruled out for the series, and I actually, like you, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Um, but, you know, I, obviously it's going to be challenging for Murphy, but I think it. I think he's up to it.
0: Yeah, I do too. I, I, it's desperately sad for Nathan Lyon, obviously, um, but uh, oh, think, without doubt. Um, in terms of the the actual performance of um, of Murphy, I think yeah, I think he's a pretty good bowler, um, and I think Nathan Lyon um, is um, is going to be reasonably adequ- adequately replaced. You know, we'll have to wait and see. I think you're right; they probably will attack him. Um, it'll be very interesting watching someone like Harry Brook having a go at him. I can't wait to um, now with the you know the Western Terrace um, at Leeds going for it. Um, I am very disappointed that we're not there, Menas. I know Julissa is going to be going today. Um, once again, we've failed to uh, get ourselves across. Um, so um, anyway, it would be good to watch it on television.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Nathan Lyons, the leading wicket-taker for the Aussies at the moment. He's taken nine wickets. So he's a big loss. Uh, Cummins and Hazelwood have eight wickets each. So Hazelwood, um, done really well so far. And Mitchell Stark took six wickets in his return in the second test. So masterstroke to bring him back into the side. I'm going to propose something to you, Paul. Marriage? Uh, Well, well, no, actually, no. Fuck off the way you love the English. You get (laughs) stuffed. Um, uh, What about resting Cummins for the next test match? I think he looked – I know he bowled very well in the series, but – I think you could bring in Boland, Stark, and Hazelwood and give Cummins a bit of a spell to clear his head. I mean, he he looked rattled yesterday. There's no doubt about it. And I know he's a great bowler, but I actually think Boland in Headingley might be a good change.
0: Uh, No, I'd still pick him. I think that um, he's in my best 11. He's in there. Uh, I'd be happy to give the captaincy to someone else for the test match. Give it to Kalaja, maybe. Um, uh, But, um, you know, I, I think... I, I always say, the, I think the, the the significance of the captain is over, overstated, especially when I think they're all roughly the same tactically as each other. So he's certainly, in my first choice, um, some of the balls he bowled in this Test match were superb. I, I think they'll probably go in unchanged, other than Lyon and Murphy, uh, unless there's other some some other injuries. I think they'll be reluctant to drop Stark um, uh, at the moment, and Boland might have to wait and. As much as I wanted bowl and picked for Lords, and um, uh, you know, it's hard to argue with the way Stark played. He, he he went the journey initially, but really roared back home strongly. And some of the balls he bowled towards the end uh, were absolutely unplayable. So uh, I couldn't be too disappointed if they kept the same ten plus Murphy for um, for uh, Leeds.
1: Yeah, agree. I think that's the way they'll probably go. Um, so reports today came out that. You know, the Lord's members were yelling all sorts of stuff to Kawaja, the whole team, but Kawaja went back and was like pointing the ones out that were saying the nasty stuff. Um, that's pretty brave stuff. I mean, Kawaja's done a lot of things since returning to the team, and he calls himself the people's champ. So, ironically, he's the one standing up to the Lord's members. That, that's, that's, that's a scene that will go down in Ash's folklore uh, of what happened yesterday.
0: I think it's possible to say that even if you disliked what the Australians did, that that didn't excuse the behaviour exactly. of, of the Lords members. And I found it particularly distasteful, the sort of... I mean, I, the, the, the guy who he sort of, you know, sort of screaming at them like that. And I, I just can't help but contrast what would have happened to someone in the outer, you know, someone at the SCG doing that to a player they'd have taken them out and sort of um, given them a life back. The fact that the MCC initially were not even going to suspend these guys, I think it's um, it's not the greatest look. And, I, you know, um, everyone goes on about how, you know, the long room and everything else, and um, they, they better watch it. The next thing that will happen is they'll, they'll say, that's it. Um, the players aren't going to walk out through the long room anymore. Um, they'll walk out. You'll have to put a different um, walkway out at, at, at Lord's. And I'm not saying that's what I want to have happen, but... Um, you know, it's, it, I'll tell you what, if they did that to an Indian team and India suddenly said, okay, we're going home, um, we're going to play an extra two months of IPL now, England would straight away say, oh, actually, as it turns out, we have demolished a section of the um, the grandstand and there's a new walkway. You can walk out without having to go through. Um, so, yeah, you know, they've got to be careful, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, I thought really interesting comments from Chris about the Bairstow dismissal. Uh, I sort of don't, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about it today and I, you know, I didn't want to, this podcast to devolve into an argument about what's right and what's wrong and I really do think that there's a bit of a a different view of the game from you know there's so many people in England who support what I think of the dismissal Owen Morgan, Mike Atherton, Nasser Hussain, Mark Butcher there are so many ex-England captains who have no problem with what Carey did so I think that speaks a lot more um, the me saying to Chris Stocks, "Oh, I think you're wrong about that stuff." Um, so I'm, I, it's not that I'm taking the high road, but I think I've been pretty vocal in the way I think the England team has carried on, the way I think, not carried on, so the way the, the England team has treated the game and also the fans around it. But um, all in all, you know, you know, I think Gideon Hay said it. You know, the England fans kind of England fans wrote. Gideon Hay wrote England fans cheating Stokes of some of his glory after the innings by carrying on about this. And um yeah, I think that's a valid statement. I oh,
0: I've said all I was I've said all my piece other than that at the moment it happened, I was actually genuinely surprised. Only for a few seconds until I, you know, I realized, but I was genuinely surprised that Cummins didn't call him back. I just thought, you can't get a blackout like that. And I I still think that's my that was my instinctive initial reaction and I, I kind of still feel the same way. I don't want to go to anywhere near the level of um, the castigation that they're copying. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I said it during the show. That's That's how I feel.
1: And then I sort of look at, uh, you know, fans from other countries, you know, because, you know, obviously England and Australian fans get emotional, but, you know, a lot of neutral fans and, you know, Ravi Ashwin's, you know, tweeted out, we should actually be applauding Kerry's, um, Um, vigilance and being aware of the match rather than um, criticising him.
0: I don't think they are neutral. I think that they are um, fresh from their war with England around man-cutting, that they're kind of using this as a way of saying, ah, furthermore, furthermore. Um, I reckon, honestly, if you did a poll of all fans of cricket around the world and excluded England and Australians, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it came um, closer to uh, people disapproving of it than approving of it.
1: But well, we don't have any figures to back those claims up. That's true. That's true. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you, you gave
0: unverified figures and I'm giving back with some unverified figures. Um certainly if you applied an IQ filter, mine would be right.
1: <laughs> Here we go again. Um oh God. I that statement. I would that that. <laughs> So many people hate us at the moment. Like, you're offending half the audience, I'm offending the other half. By the end of the ashes, we like, we have no <laughs> listeners left. Like, you pissed off all the Aussies, I've pissed off all the Poms. It's just like you and me talking to each other, and with Jaleesa listening, that'll be it. Um, all right, well, I just have the series figures, I just want to, um, look at the series so far because two test matches in the leading run scorer for England of Ben Stokes 216 Ben Duckett second on 212 thought he played really well at lords and i actually think he showed signs of you know his strike rate in the series is 75 so uh, i think that's actually a pretty nice strike rate for him at test level um And for Australia, the leading run scorer is, of course, Usman Khawaja with 300 runs in two two matches, averaging 75. Steve Smith, 166. So it is all set up for the last three test matches. Australia hopefully winning headingly, and it's a 3-zip.
0: Yeah, I mean, I said before, I think that um, as much as I want Australia to win 5-0 from that point of view, you have to acknowledge, menes that as much as that's you'd love it to, to be three zip, part of you when the fourth test comes around and there's a sort of feeling of England of, okay, oh, well, When's the Premier League start? Um, the 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 full test-
1: I've told you I don't care. I've told you I don't care. I I genuinely want to drub them. Like rub it in their nose. I I I I really dislike the way they behaved this series. And yeah, I I, re- I genuinely will delight in a five nil drubbing. In fact, I would prefer it if they were three day fixtures, so we didn't have to stay up so long. Like in two thousand and one, where like by the fourth morning, you could, the game was over.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose I just a, I'm just a cricket fan, and that I, I I like cricket to succeed, and you know that that um, you know maybe there won't be any cricket left if if you had your way, England wouldn't have won a Test match forever, and that'd up the
1: game. Well, look, India's going to keep cricket going, so uh, as long as long as, <laughs> as long as India is still playing cricket, we'll be right. Anyway, Paul, we should go. Um, great to talk to you. Um, get some rest. Uh, the Test starts what Thursday night, so. I
0: know. I mean, yeah, it's it's great, but yeah, um, we, you, and I deserve some sort of, and all the fans who stayed up all late, you know, we deserve some sort of recognition for our um elite
1: athleticism. Yeah, some great big coffee cup. All right, listeners. Well, thanks for tuning into Cricket Unfiltered. Thanks very much to Chris Stocks for joining the show. You can find his work at the iPaper, which is an online newspaper in the UK. Great sport to come on, and we'll be back soon. There. <laughs>
0: This is a
2: Piccolo podcast production.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.